program because I think uh, embryo transfer is the most important, one of the most important steps in the whole therapy of IVF-XC and I'm looking forward to talk about it today. And yes, uh, I am Dr. Nuri, I am the medical director of uh, uh, TFP clinics in Austria, which are located in Vienna, Wales and in Klagenfurt used to work at the Medical University of Vienna, Akaha Wien, uh, for over 12 years in the same field. Okay, that's great. And Jason, if you could just introduce yourself, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jason Swain. I'm the lab director for the CCRM IVF network, uh, which is a series of uh, IVF programs uh, in and around North America. Okay, great. So I'm delighted uh, to talk to both of you today about, uh, as Dr. Nuri has mentioned, one of the most important topics in the ART community, uh, and that's embryo transfer. And I'd like to um, start uh, by just uh, citing a review that was done in 2016 uh, by Dr. William Schoolcraft. Um, and he uh, gave the following quote uh, in a review paper in Fertility and Sterility. And that says that embryo transfer is arguably the most critical process uh, in the sequential events that encompass an IVF fixy cycle. And also he goes on in that uh, review to say that we've seen many improvements in the uh, IVF techniques uh, in, the, in the last 20 years, including uh, the improvement in culture media and embryo culture per se, uh, embryo selection, vitrification and comprehensive uh, chromosomal screening. Uh, yet little has changed in the process of embryo transfer. And hopefully today our two experts will give their insights, experience and knowledge on best practice to ensure positive outcomes uh, for our patients. So that's just to set the scene um, and uh, highlighting the fact that uh, embryo transfer is one of the most important factors, if not the most important. Um, and there really is no consensus at the moment on the best practices and they vary considerably um, across the globe. So we'll uh, we'll focus on some of the, the key points today um, and I'm really happy to um, to facilitate the discussion with our with our two leading uh, experts in this field. Okay, so um, to start off, uh, I suppose right at the very very beginning, um, I'd just like to talk a little bit about uh, training in, in embryo transfer, uh, both from a clinical and an embryology perspective. 
um, and measuring of um, of competence going forward uh, after training. So perhaps we can start from the clinical side, uh, Kazem, uh, and give us a, an indication of the training programs that you have or you've been through or been involved with uh, to get clinicians up to the required standard uh, to do embryo transfer and how you maintain uh, their competency and, and perhaps measure it um, on a regular basis. Uh, if I may start with my own uh, fellowship, well, it goes back like 20, 21 years ago. And as a matter of fact, at that time, um, the, the, the fellows, they started with a very bad embryo. So from the lab point of view, if the quality of the embryo was very bad, and you wanted to transfer it, so it was the embryo of the fellow to, to transfer. So this is the way we started it. And uh, as a matter of fact, we know today that it matters who is going to perform the transfer. So seeing it from this point, I think it was a good idea and it still is a good idea. And especially two years ago, there was a publication, a very interesting publication, uh, indicating that um, regarding the embryo with not a very high quality, it, there were no uh, significant difference who is going to perform the transfer. The experienced uh, clinicians or the less experienced clinicians. But regarding the high quality embryos, or AA, 3AA, and the 5 the best blastocyte, there's a significant difference uh, who is going to perform the transfer. So regarding the training, in order to answer your question, first of all, I think we shouldn't start with the embryos on the patients. Thanks God, there are no instruments, uh, and with these instruments, a pelvic trainer, we have the possibility to train our fellows and... Uh, perform their first MOOC transfers on a model. And then afterwards, if you have the feeling they are good on this, then I would still start with uh, uh, less uh, successful embryos, uh, according to the publication I just mentioned before. And then I think it's a matter of numbers that you can see the person is good in doing that, and then you can start with the very good embryos. The most important thing, to my opinion, is that you never let your fellow, the person in training, your fellows in Austria, never let him or her to perform it alone. That means you should be there. Uh, as a matter of fact, at the very beginning, you, have, uh, you are in the back. That means you're helping in the position as you would yourself perform the, the, the transfer and somebody else, uh, in these cases, mostly in our clinics, there are doctors that help, uh, and somebody else is going to have the ultrasound. I think we will come to this subject later. So the first transfer should be uh, under a very, very uh, high observations of the experienced clinicians. Yeah, do you... Um... Do you believe there's a role for IUI um, in the in the training process? Yes, of course, because uh, it should be also, if I understand you correct, do you think that it's also important that you 
be experienced in performing IUI? Is this the question? I wonder if it helps in in understanding the anatomy, the technique um, of introducing a catheter, etc. Um, if you get some of experience with with IUI behind you. Well, of course, I think uh, it's important. Uh, that would help also. This is a very important thing because uh, bringing the catheter, IUI catheter in the uterus can also help you a lot. But one should say that there are then two different catheters, which you're using for uh, IUI and which you're using for, for embryo transfer. But basically, the idea with starting uh, IUI is definitely a very good idea for the clinicians in order to have a feeling how to pass the uh, cervical uh, cervical part of the uterus, uterus cervix. Sure. And I'm sure we'll come on to um, many of the other factors that, that influence outcome um, a, a little bit later and, and what you stress to your uh, trainees about the Im important um, factors to a successful embryo transfer. So, uh, Jason, if I could, if I could move to you, um, in, in terms of training embryologists in the art of, of embryo transfer, what um, what's been your experience, and, and what have you um, uh, gained as as been the best way to uh, ensure that when they come to do the the real thing, that the the embryologists are um, as uh, as well trained as, as possible. Yeah, so it's a great question, uh, and uh, as uh, as already indicated, embryo transfer is is arguably uh, the most uh, important, or at least one of the most important steps of IVF. And so, you want to make sure that the embryologist uh, is skilled enough to handle embryos confidently, uh, identifying great embryos confidently. So, it is one of the the later uh, techniques that they're trained on. Uh, at a, a mid-level or, or senior level. And it starts out as, as simple as getting comfortable working with a catheter in whatever environment the lab works in, whether it's in a hood or in an isolate, uh, you know, the, the location and making sure that they have spatial awareness in handling the, the catheter, uh, assembling the syringe and the catheter, uh, making sure that they can then load in the prescribed uh, method outlined in the uh, procedure manual. And to do that, you can visually assess, uh, a more senior embryologist can visually assess that, um, uh, time them, monitor how quickly that's done, measure the volume of the load to make sure that it's within the prescribed volume, if that's detailed, usually somewhere around 30 or 40 microliters, depending on the lab. And, and then you can practice with uh, discarded uh, material uh, to make sure that they are comfortable. Uh, and you can do that a number of times and, and people, uh, some embryologists may train faster than others and may get comfortable uh, more quickly than others. But ultimately it then comes to uh, time to have them start doing transfers. And, uh, and the approach that we generally take is you want to make sure that you have uh, uh, first pair them with a physician who is aware that this is going to be uh, kind of a training exercise or, or a first time transfer for this embryologist, just so they're aware. Uh, we can then select the patient to make sure that it's not going to be a difficult transfer. Uh, we try to select patients with good embryos to maximize the chance of success, minimize the number of issues. Uh, there would always be a senior level person mirroring or shadowing to be able to step in 
uh, if needed, if something unforeseen did arise. And, and we work in isolates. And so uh, uh, this perspective is, is taking that into account. And, and then it's loading the catheter, uh, working on the handoff. And again, that handoff can, uh, can be practiced ahead of time in the lab with other embryologists. And, um, uh, and then after that, uh, monitoring the outcomes. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, once the training is done and that will vary, like I said, slightly from person to person, it will vary slightly from lab to lab based on their conditions and their comfort level. Uh, but once the training is done and the person is permitted to do transfers, monitoring the ongoing competency is something that we do on a regular basis. The, the time frame will likely vary based on the volumes in the lab. You need to have a sufficient number of transfers to track outcomes, to have it be meaningful. Uh, we do ours in most of our labs on a quarterly basis where we will track pregnancy outcomes uh, and clinical outcomes uh, uh, per embryologist as well as per physician to see if they're above threshold. And if somebody is below the threshold, uh, we look for combinations to make sure we can identify, you know, is it the, the embryologist, could it be the physician uh, is it, or a combination uh, thereof? Uh, and additionally, then we look for possible explanations as why that may be. Were they difficult cases? Was it a low transfer number that could be easily explained by one or two suboptimal transfers? Uh, and then if we really do have to do a deeper dive, uh, or if there is somebody that, that may uh, appear to perhaps not be uh, as successful as others, we can look at things like number of, of bloody catheters or difficult transfers, things that we have indicated on our transfer sheets and see if, uh, at least from a lab perspective, if that's something that the embryologist is doing, or if it may be physician-dependent or perhaps patient-dependent, uh, and then we can react accordingly. That sounds really very comprehensive, and I think really uh, highlights the uh, the importance of the uh, of the embryo transfer procedure and and uh, getting everybody to um, an appropriate standard um, and monitoring it uh, continuously afterwards um, to. Um, to maintain those uh, those standards for the uh, the positive outcomes for the for the patients, um, if I could just um, ask both of you, then um, I, I guess to highlight to your trainees what you believe are the key factors that are going to lead to um, a successful embryo transfer, and perhaps I can start with you again, Kazem. Uh, to what what you would highlight to those um, those fellows um, in terms of the things that they should be looking out for and and those key factors that you believe will influence the outcome. Well, uh, it's a very general question, and uh, we are talking about um, a fellowship of two years, and during these two years, uh, you try to. Uh, train uh, these people, the fellows, in order to be able to perform a very good embryo transfer. So, but if you want to highlight three points, uh, well, first of all, um, the one of the important thing is communication with the lab. That means we have. Uh, Every day we have a meeting before we start our work and uh, they're between the doctors and the lab members, the embryologists. So, and during these meetings, we talk about uh, uh, retrievals and about the embryo transfer. So, 
I think the most important thing is that I would say to the trainees have always a meeting with the lab regarding the embryo transfer. Because uh, you talk about the patients, you talk about the quality of the embryos, you talk about the number of the embryos, and also you can communicate with the lab uh, and ask them, so what's your opinion? One embryo, two embryos, single embryo transfer, do we need uh, this, do we need that? Then you can see if you have uh, a previous embryo transfer, how was the embryo transfer last time? Did you have implantation? There's a lots of factors. So I would say, first of all, important thing is the communication between the lab and the doctors, the clinicians, in regard of the patients. So second uh, important thing is preparing the patients. And in this case, you should really know if the blood, if the bladder is full or not, if you need the bladder full or not, because in cases of AFL uterine, that means uh, the nick is uh, to the front, of course you need the bladder full. But in other cases, seldom, but that the uterus go back. So in these cases, if you have a full bladder, you make your life uh, not easier, but more difficult. And then it depends on the way you perform the transfer. Again, I think it's one of the points we will talk about it later. If you are doing the embryo transfer in one step, if you are doing the embryo step in two steps, um, and I highlighted again in communicating with the lab, it's also important to choose the catheter you want to use. For example, if you know it's going to be a normally used uh, soft catheter, but if you know it's going to be a difficult catheter, maybe you, from the beginning you, use, uh, you don't use the soft catheter or the film catheter. So maybe these are three points to consider. But I think there are hundred important points in performing the embryo transfer. Sure, and and we will get on to uh, to talking about uh, many of those. I think regarding uh, placement of the embryos, the use of ultrasound, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it was just really to to set the scene about uh, highlighting some of the um, more important issues um, when when people are first coming into uh, performing embryo transfers and. I'll put the same question to you, Jason. In the lab, um, what, what do you highlight to, to the trainees, the, the key steps that they need to focus on um, to get the, the best outcomes from the embryo transfer from a laboratory side? Yeah, so the, the first thing we stress is, is consistency in following the, uh, the protocol. So things like load volume, low technique, whether you use air bubbles or not, uh, and then the timing around that. So making sure that uh, we are as, as consistent in, as possible in the technique and the time to get the embryo to the physician. Uh, and then after that, it's uh, oversimplified because as, as previously indicated, uh, you know, any number of factors that impact success, but proper placement in the uterus and a traumatic transfer. And so not that those are necessarily within the, the control of the lab, but uh, as we're in the transfer room, watching things on ultrasound, waiting to have the catheter handed back to us. Those are things that we as embryologists can note as well. So those are, are things that we tend to note, uh, especially if, uh, if we are making notes on our lab charts afterwards, uh, assuming that we've loaded everything properly and quickly, 
and had a, a seamless handoff, uh, we can then observe whether there was proper placement uh, or a, a difficult uh, uh, transfer. Sometimes it's simply noted as presence of blood or, or mucus on the uh, end of the catheter tip, depending on, on the particular transfer. Thank you to everyone that's um, tuned in to this episode of uh, Fertility Insights. Uh, please like, uh, share and comment uh, if you would like to. Uh, that will help us and, and make sure to tune in uh, to our future episodes. <laughs>